welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. And I'm not even going to let you introduce yourself. I finally got one. It is. I, I don't care. I, I, I could do this show alone this week. The Buckeye Land is between my fingers. I can see it. It's in my grasp. I've already taken the cellophane and the satin footband on. Let's go. But are you dedicated to this podcast? Will this be the first one you have smoked? No. <laughs> Why did, you have to, why did you have to call me out like that? <laughs> I such sold a, it. Um, I would like to say the cigar I'm holding, yeah. had it for over four weeks, uh, well, waiting to smoke it with my listeners, let because me I that. care, people. <laughs> when making t- your Christmas let, list, let realize Let me tell you Shane something cares. about my weekend, okay? <laughs> I had, my weekend was, was hell on wheels. I mean, we were just busy going just from Friday afternoon until through Sunday evening long, I was I was moving. I was going. Didn't even have a cigar all day Saturday. And Sunday, it was 9 o'clock before I got a cigar in my hand. So we went over to Smoker's Abbey because they're the only people late, open that late. What, do you, what am I going to do? I, <laughs> I get one cigar a weekend, and I see that beautiful red satin band just sitting calling to me like a siren and I had to go. See, I, I, I maintain someone dedicated the podcast would have grabbed the Tennessee wall. But you had the Buckeye land w- without being on the show. True. True, but I never advertised so the, that I was going to smoke it on the show. I never advertised that it was going to be my first one ever <laughs> that I smoked. Well, I'm glad you have one. I will, I will forgive you for the abuse of etiquette in smoking one prior to sharing it with your listeners. You know, if we weren't recording, I'd have a few different words to say to you in this manner. <laughs> to share prior, you know, I, I understand it's it's hard sometimes to contain yourself. Premature smoking gets a problem, but, you know, next time smoke a waltz and think about baseball for crying out loud <laughs> and save it for your listeners. <laughs> well, no, I will tell you what. I thought your... I, I thought your uh, review of this cigar was spot on. Holy cow, it is so much Mexican San Andreas flavor. If you had your first intimate experience in the San Andreas Valley of Mexico, you would still say, that's a lot of San Andreas. <laughs> I mean, I love San Andreas, but that's a lot of San Andreas. And I, as I've been talking to different people that have smoked it, a tremendous number of them have not liked it because of that fact, because it was too much. And I'll tell you what, if this one were my first one, I wouldn't think the same. So, all right, a little background. Today I had to go to the dentist, and it was an emergency visit to the dentist, which is never fun. I have a retainer, a, a permanent retainer on the back of my teeth. It's basically a wire that's glued to the back of my teeth back here. Well, I was eating lunch today at the office and it broke free, so it was stabbing me in the tongue. Not what you want, especially when you're on hour three of a five-hour meeting. So I had to go to the dentist. Anyway, so I say all that to say my tongue is inflamed and has holes in it right now. So the spiciness and the, the, the real like San Andreas flavor from this cigar 
is kicking my butt. Like yeah, you it, might have reached for something in a Connecticut. I did not. I wasn't thinking about that when I pulled the cigar and how much that was going to affect how intensely I've tasted this cigar. And holy cow, it well, is. I do have a question. Am I going to get to light this cigar tonight, or are you just going to talk about that cigar for an hour? I mean, I can lay it down. I can I say. Mean, I'm just. I'm I just have proud of, I'm proud of myself that I let you even speak so far at this. I point. have the willpower to wait one more week to smoke this so that I can share it with my listeners, but I would prefer not to. Okay, go ahead. What is this? cigar this you know thing that you're going to smoke that won't I will be compare. smoking Roma Craft Cro-Magnon the blockhead limited edition special editions one of those that I've grabbed it is a US Connecticut broadleaf maduro wrapper Cameroon binder and a blend of three different fillers from Esteli Condega and Honduras um all the reviews say this is going to be a strong cigar. Generally, if they put on the website medium to full, you can bet full. Yeah, they usually step it back. Yeah, and this one, it's a Grand Toro. It's 6 by 54 Really excited to give it a shot. Um, like I said, this is part of the special editions that they released that only certain stores got. So, very excited. Now, so tell me about what your thoughts are on the Buckeye land other than the fact that the San Andreas just macks you upside the head? Uh, you know, that's really the majority of what I get out of it. You know, uh, there's not a whole... It's not playing with a symphony of flavors, if you will. You know, there's... It, it's complex without... You know, it's not a one-note chord, but it's also not something that you have to sit there and get the tasting notes from. It's a very, very good... It's... There's a lot of leather and uh, deep, rich kind of wood flavors to it behind that spice. Would you say that was fairly accurate? It was. Yeah, it's a it's um the Tennessee Waltz Yellow Rosa Texas are excellent blends, and they managed to blend that San Andreas wrapper on there in such a way as to enhance those flavors. Yeah, you know it it I didn't find that it tastes remarkably like either one of those. I mean, obviously, you can tell they're from the same lineage, but it, it, you smoke the Yellow Rose of Texas, you know you're smoking the Tennessee Waltz. Right. I don't get that with this. You do get a little more variance, mm-hmm. that, but it seems to be complementing flavors as opposed to competing flavors. Oh, of course. Yeah, I will definitely give you that. So complementing flavors I'm in for, competing flavors, not, not necessarily my best thing. And all, but speaking of competing, I've got a bone to pick with Drew Estate Cigars. Don't tell me they're sponsoring the Cigar Smoking World Championships this year. <laughs> no. Okay, who loves the Undercrown Shade more than me? I think no one. Have you ever, in all your travels of the cigar world, and from the hills to the valleys to the rivers to the streams, have you ever come across anyone with the passionate love for Undercrown Shade that I have? I can't say that I have. Well, they're creating a special undercrown shade for John Islesbury in Germany. <laughs> I don't know who this Islesbury dude is, but I bet you I've smoked more shades than he has. I think we need to get you two in a room and just see who the last one standing is. So they're creating it. He orders, he owns a um, tobacco wholesale partnership in Germany, and he's creating a 6x50 version of the blend that's going to be tweaked a little, 
and there's only going to be 500 boxes of 24, but they're only pricing them at $11.33 a cigar. So now I'm going to have to send to Germany to try to get one of these cigars. <laughs> True Estates, fellas. I, I'm loyal, you know, he says holding a Roma Craft. I'm loyal in that whenever someone says, what's the, what's the can't miss cigar, I put a shade in their hand. Right. You know, there's a number of times when somebody's looking for a recommendation, looking for a review, I put a shade in their hand. You have even shoveled charcoal for Mr. Drew. That's right. I worked for that. And that was even for the Kentucky Fire Cured, which ain't my favorite Drew Estate cigar. Exactly. You have worked for that man. <laughs> and now they, this John Owlsbury clown shows up and they start giving him cigars like they're candy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with Drew Estate. Maybe they're just afraid of him. I guess. I don't know. But you can, you can bet next time I see Willie Herrera, he's getting an earful. Mm. <laughs> but I did, I did see that article, thought that was interesting. And I don't know that I'm for or against the shop specialties of a cigar that's pretty wide. Are you eating the cigar as <laughs> there, there well as smoking a, There it? was one piece that I just, and I couldn't get it out. One piece of tobacco salad got caught in there. Yeah, and it was it was a big piece of the of the cap. You know how that occasionally will slide off. And I, I thought I spit it out, and then it didn't. And I tried again, and I, it just was hanging on for dear life. It didn't want to give up. Well, I'm interested in the coming weeks to talk to people that smoke that cigar because I want to know their opinions because it's been pretty split. A lot of the people I've talked to like it. And a lot of the people I talk to hate it. Nobody is just like, I, I could take it or leave it. Who Are you talking about my cigar now? Yes. One? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, sorry, I moved on. I've, you did. But. I left the hurt behind that <laughs> Drew Estate stabbed me in the back. You know, I, I've got to say, after, I, and I don't know, we've, we've talked many times about the, the, the environment tempering your, you know, and f- flavoring the, the experience for a cigar. I said at the time on Sunday night that I liked it better than the Rose. Wow. I don't know if... I, I, I think part of that is that I got burnt out on the Rose. I mean, I smoked through two boxes of them within the last year. I think I burn out a little bit, and I'm remembering that. This is a very good cigar. I, I am really, really, really enjoying it. Although, that San Andreas flavor... I can get for $8 with some of the cigars we smoke regularly. Uh, what, there's a Tarano Vault in there for 7 with a San Andreas wrapper. I, I, don't, I don't know that it's worth the, the Buckeye Land price. I wonder if a man purchased a box of those and put them away for a year. I bet if they the would the flavor age. would blend. I bet they would age very, very well. Now, that being said, like I said, you know, I don't know that I like it more than the rose. I think I'd just burn out on the rose, but I do like it as much as the rose. It is something new and different. You know, San Andreas, this is very, very much a San Andreas flavored cigar. Like you can you can taste that leaf so much. But it's but the flavor overall, like it's a very, very good tasting cigar. I'm yeah, a big fan. If you fan. didn't know any of the recipe, if you didn't know any of the heritage, if you didn't know that it was a, a part of a series that's specific that you're only going to be able to get yeah. in this limited window this year, 
it would still be a good cigar. Mm-hmm. You know, so that takes some of that, because there's sometimes that you get a cigar in a limited window that you tend to give a little more credit than it probably deserves. Although, how, like, I still see yellow rose on the on the shelves all throughout the year. I, I think this lawless thing, I, I, I think they're gilding the lily a little bit. I don't think it's really quite as explosive as I think it is. You know, I think they're... You think they may be putting on just a little bit? I, I think just a little bit. Just, and I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe they go back to locking down the borders. But I've been, there's been no shortage of yellow rose on the shelf in here. And it's not just one box sitting in there unsmoked. Like he's he's going through them. And and other shops that I go to, they're selling yellow rose, and yet they're still on the shelf. So I wonder if they're really gonna go back to the regional exclusivity, or if that's just a way to sell boxes well, of cigars. Here's the thing: if you got a cigar that's a hit. Sell Put it. it out there. Yeah. Sell it. Sell it. And no one will think you think any less of you. Right. So the other article I wanted to talk about, oh, by the way, no legislative news this week. Oh, we're going to talk about something other than my cigar. Okay. Yeah, th- <laughs> Thanksgiving week, no legislative news, nothing they're going all, on. They're all home with their families and mistresses. Yeah. Hopefully not at the same time. <laughs> but so Oliva Cigars sold. Did you hear about this? I didn't. Um, Oliva Cigars. So the only two... Um, of the Oliva family that were still interested in it was Gilberto and Jose. Yeah. Um, Carlos and Janine, not as much into the cigars. They have other interests and all that, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sold it to Frederick Vendermarlier of Jay Cortez Cigars. Okay. Now, this is what's interesting to me about this, and we can go through, you know, Gilberto Oliva's still going to be on staff. He's still going to be CEO. It's going to be a transition over time, but this is what's interesting to me: is Frederick Vendermarlier. How's that for pronunciation? I'm sure you're pronouncing that right. And uh, we'll, we'll call him Fred for short. <laughs> Fred runs a European cigar company, and in this article, they actually mentioned that European cigars use more short filler, whereas the North American cigars and South American cigars use more long filler. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of that. Yeah, that, well, that is something we've kind of touched on with the Toscanos. Um, being an Italian cigar, they're rolled in that manner. I think it's because of the climate. The climate of a, Euro- a European climate is naturally going to lend itself to um, smaller leaves being grown. Well, is there much tobacco grown in Europe? Because if you look at the history of sailing, large part of shipping was tobacco products. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot, but there is some now. With globalization, you've you've had... It's just like there's... Um, it's just like uh, tea. There's tea grown on all seven continents. There's... You know, there are certain things that people, it originated in one place and then it, it moves around as, as a f- taste for it has been found o- other parts of the world. It could just be a difference in the smoking culture altogether, too, is, you know. Yeah, I would be, I'm going to have to stay tuned. I'm going to have to do some research and find out why the European market uses more short filler because I do believe a long filler cigar is a better cigar. You know, in general, I agree with you, but I think it's more, it has more to do with selection than it does quality. I think we have a larger variety of long filler cigars to choose from 
that when it comes to short filler cigars, we're limited to a couple here and there that maybe not be the best quality of that anyway. I go back to Toscano. Smoked the heck out of them while I was in Italy, and I think they're fantastic cigars, especially for the price. And not just because of the price, but especially because of the price. And so, I, you know, I think there's something to be said for a quality short filler cigar that is possible. Villiger makes a machine-rolled short filler cigar that I think is phenomenal. And it uses um, a certain type of, uh, dr- like, air-cured tobacco that doesn't have to be put in a humidor. Um, you know, so I think if our horizons were maybe broadened a little bit to experience more of what can be accomplished with a short filler cigar, I think we might find more in that avenue that we like. Well, unfortunately, I think most of most American cigar smokers are like I am. We're kind of cigar snobs. I hear short filler and machine made. I'm immediately assuming it's a far less quality cigar. Yeah, but at the same time, at $3, how much are you really expecting out of it? Right. It goes back to what we talked about last week in that you kind of align your expectation with the price of your cigar, which, by the way, this blockhead, mm-hmm. this is the best Cro-Magnon I've ever smoked. Wow. It is absolutely, the flavor is there. The shape is pulling great. I did a V-cut on it. I was going to punch it, but my wife took my cutter and ran off with it, so I don't have the punch here on hand. Oh, she left the kit, but took the... She left the the kit and just took the big lighter that had (laughs) the punch on it. So instead of punching it, I did the V-cut, because generally on a box press, I'm going to reach for a punch. Right. And lately, I've been in a punching mood. I've probably punched more cigars in the past... Um, past three weeks that I punched in all the year before. I'm going to have to take you to cigar jail on <laughs> That's assault right. charges. Assault and battery. But I did think it was interesting that, that Oliva sold and that they are kind of expanding out into a worldwide market. Yeah. And it'll be, That'll be good for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they bring back to us. And especially because Oliva's, I, I feel like Oliva is such a good company for this because they remind me a lot of Perdomo in that they appeal to a very wide audience. You know, Oliva has, you know, from the Connecticut Reserve, very mild, light-bodied cigars, all the way up to the Milano V, which is a good, pretty good player to the coattails of the Padron Anniversary Series. They catch everybody. They, they're one of the few companies that can make such a wide spectrum of cigars and and get it right every time. I really like the Oliva line. And I think that goes back to the history, mm-hmm. the history behind them, and knowing you know they're not new, they're not a fly-by-night. It was interesting in this article, he talked about how many times people have tried to buy the Oliva factory and buy Oliva cigars, and how many times that the Oliva family has turned them down. Right. Which is interesting to me. I've you know, I've heard before about Padron. They tried to buy Padron before Jose passed away. Mm-hmm. And I'm now we're spreading rumor here. But the knowledge, the person that told me this is a very reliable source. He would know. He said they offered $94 million and Padron said not even close. I can, it makes sense to me. That it does. I mean, it, to, to you or I, that would seem like a ton yeah. of money. But to Padron, he's probably like, ah, no. I'm sure that was a good offer on his company. I'm, I'm, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, knocking on the door at seven figures 
is um, is a good price for his company. But I definitely agree that um, I can definitely say that if I were in his shoes, I probably wouldn't have taken it either. I don't know. When you're given the opportunity to cash out like that, that's it, that's hard for most people to turn around. You know, I love my business. I've built my business from zero to now. Yeah. Somebody walked up and made the right offer, and I could step into doing something else after doing this for so many years, I'd probably take it. Well, you know, but the problem is I am my business. You know, it's, right. not, it's not like Padron where they have a huge network. Well, and I also think the difference is your business is not your identity. It's not your lively, or it's, it's not your lifestyle. It's not, you know, you're passionate about doing a good job. You're not passionate about the task that you perform as a part of your job. I don't feel like. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so whereas I think that's different for Padrone in that this is this is your identity, this is your self-identity, this is your, you know, this is everything about who you are. It's not just a company. Right. When you sell your cigar company, I mean, how many cigar companies has E.P. Carrillo sold? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many times, you know, General um, bought CAO and then they turned around and opened Crown Heads? Yeah. So it, it's not something that you step away from. You may step yeah. away from a project, but not this industry. Well, and we've praised them before. Swisher mm. Suites brought Drew Estate, and they have only improved it. It's true. And that was the big fear of all the cigar guys. I mean, there was plenty of chicken littles. The sky's falling. We're fixing to lose Drew Estate cigars and all those things. But let's step away for a break real quick. I'll let you finish up with enjoying your Buckeye without having to talk for a moment. Okay. And, I'll, and this blockhead is excellent. When we get back... Santa will have crossed the line at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade by the time you hear this podcast. And for me, that's what uh, Christmas Assuming starts. I'm still as delinquent in getting it loaded as I was last well, week. Well, My well, apologies to the listeners <laughs> on that. I thought you just fell in the listeners on all. Oh. Right. Wow. <laughs> all right. This is the Shane Rides Trey show for everyone out there listening. <laughs> and your wife is even in the building. She should be over here on defending me on this. She's, she's usually in my corner. She comes over here to defend you. We're going to name her exec. By the way, next time studio audience is in here, I think we need to name her executive producer. Okay, I like that. That sounds much better than studio audience. <laughs> she will appreciate the promotion, I'm sure. But when we get back, let's talk a little bit of cigar gifts, but let's not talk about it in the tropish fashion. Okay. Let's talk about it in terms of things we've received that we really loved and things that other people, you know, what's the can't miss gift that you can always give a cigar guy in your life. Let's talk about it in those terms. And also, I want to talk about cigar sniffing dogs when we return. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I'm going to talk about a cigar near and dear to my heart. This is the Hoya Cabinetta. I have not had one of these in a very long time, but I always forget between smokings how good it is. It's the perfect cigar when you're in the mood for a mild cigar that still holds the complexity and you can really enjoy. It's made by Hoya de Nicaragua. Always a top quality. Structurally, these cigars are always gonna be sound. The price point on them is wonderful. And it's a great way to bridge into the Hoya line at a milder cigar. I'd still say it's mild to medium. It's not a true mild cigar, 
but for their line, it's about as mild as it gets. It's the perfect step-up cigar, if you, especially if you have someone who you give cigars to that doesn't smoke regularly. This is a great step up to get them out of the more Connecticut into a little more complex cigar that they can still enjoy on a slightly less educated palate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also everyone try the Hoya de Nicaragua Cabaneta. Welcome back to your cigar cast. Your um, cigar cast. Your cigar I like cast. that. Since, since you have betrayed our listeners on so many occasions, I'm giving the podcast to them. We work for them now. We've always worked for them. <laughs> we have. We've worked hard for them. But, uh, and I promise at some point tonight we will get to cigar etiquette that we've been trying to get to for three weeks. <laughs> Why don't we jump right now? Let's do the gift thing first. Yeah. I want to talk about that. So, what is the best cigar gift you have ever received? Um, that's a really good question. I received a box of Padrones for my 21st birthday. 20, uh, anniversary 26s. Um, that was a really good cigar, like, cigar gift. However, my... the. The, the answer to that really is easy is I, I received one of the um, one of the cigar pins this past summer and that that was one of those because that's something I never would have bought for myself something that I've, I've looked at longingly for years and uh, and it was a gift for a very special occasion and it just everything kind of fell into place and, and that without a doubt to me is, is the best cigar related gift I've ever gotten that's a great gift. The pin is a great gift because it kind of it gives you lots of opportunities when people see you see the cigar pin. Oh, is that you know? And mm. you, yes, those are cigars I smoke. I like these particular cigars. Mm. And it also shows off how decorative the bands are and all that. Now, what was the pin? It was an Opus. It was Opus. City, I believe. Oh, okay. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't remember. I've only only seen it once, so I haven't got to. It stays safely displayed in my house. As well I actually, it should. I actually haven't even used it yet. I want to use it. Um, you know, I, I'm also one of those people that believes when you're given a gift that has some functional quality to it, a knife, a gun, a, you know, a pen, anything that has a functional use, I think you owe it to the gift itself as well as the person that gave it to you to use it for its intended purposes. Um, Oftentimes, you know, guns, for example, that are gifted tend not to have a, a very um, practical quality to them. But I do think there's something in, in using it for its intended function that, that kind of christens it, if you will. Well, you know, my, there, it is interesting because I think when we're giving gifts, this is something you should always remember. The way you present the gift is oftentimes as important as the gift itself. You know, greatest cigar gift I ever got. My wife got me. It was our 17th anniversary. She planned a surprise party here um, at the cigar shop and actually acquired one of the leather Rocky Patel humidors that she knew I'd had my eye on. And that still sits on my dresser at home, and it is where... It's your private collection? Right. It's where the ultra-exclusive, don't-want-to-risk-anybody-accidentally-grabbing-one 
cigars stay at in my house and all. When I go on vacation, I hide that that particular humidor. A lot of times I'll put it in my safe, in my gun safe. That way if the house catches fire, it'll still be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, You'd hate to see. <laughs> my house is smoking all my cigars. <laughs> sure, the house. A fireman standing in the yard breathing deeply. Wow. <laughs> that great. What was that house made out of? <laughs> but if someone came to you, a girlfriend, a wife, both, comes to you and says, my husband, boyfriend smoke cigars what's the one thing that i can go get him that i know he'll love this christmas a zycar cutter you think it's a zycar i do i the zycar you know i am a calibri fanboy and i'll admit it all day long but from a gift standpoint i think the zycar presents well i think it has the pedigree and the name recognition uh, I, they come in so many different finishes that you can absolutely guarantee you'll find one that fits his or her personality. Um, whereas with Calibri, you're limited on that a little bit more. Yeah, you can get a lot of different, to use a racing term, liveries mm-hmm. on the Zycar cutters. You know, you could, if he's a Terminator fan, we've talked about the Terminator cutters. You must really love him to drop $500 on a cutter, but... hey. You know, but yeah, I think it's something that even if you already have a Zycar cutter, another one is not going to clutter up the drawer. It, it still has practical use. Um, you know, I, I think that is a, a really great gift. And and you can go, you know, the XI1s are only about 30 bucks each, going all the way up to some of the limited edition XI3s, which can be in the hundreds of dollar range. You know, the ones that have the mammoth tusk, you know, embellishments and things. You know, so that it, it can be as nice or as common a gift as you want it to be. Well, that's a, that's a good one. And it's not going to wear out and break like a lighter will. True, but let me tell you, that Calibri Julius, that's a tough gift to beat. I I completely agree, and and I almost, you know, I almost went that route on it. I think, but I think the Cleaver Julius really depends on who's giving the gift and who's receiving it. Not just anybody is going to uh, like this lighter, you know. It's it has a certain appearance to it that I don't think appeals to everybody's aesthetic, and uh, not everyone's a soft flame fan. But are the people that are not soft flame fans the people? This is okay. This is back to my cigar snobbery. Whose experience with soft flame is a bic, or a right. zippo? Right. Who don't understand soft flame? Who don't understand having a cigar? You know, this cigar here. I put a great light on it tonight. I'm bragging. I put a great light on it, and I used my Calibri Julius, and it's burning just nice and slow. It's smol- A good cigar yeah. should smolder more than burn. The thing for me is that it goes back to the personality of the person that you're getting the gift for. You and I are both the kinds of people that have a certain taste and flair for the occasionally the, the finer things in life. This has a little bit more of a... Mine more so than yours, just because yours is Tommy Bahama, but... There's a certain elegant appearance to it in the design. You have some guys and, and women out there that don't ever get dressed up or, or that for, for any reason whatsoever. So 
I feel like there's no option of this lighter that doesn't look fancy, for a lack of a better term. Whereas with the Zycar cutter, um, they have some options that look and are a bit more rugged and that will maybe appeal to someone who doesn't like, who doesn't even own a suit or, you know, would rather have a dirty car with no carpets that they can hose out versus the leather seat BMW. Painting with very broad strokes and generalizing quite a bit there. But I do, for me, that's just what I see when, when I look at the Julius. And, I, and, and that's one of the things I love about it. But I could see how that wouldn't fit all. Well, so let's break this down into two categories. We have the fly zone and the no fly zone. If you are not a cigar person, but you're looking to get a cigar for the gift. Thank you for listening to the podcast if you're not a cigar person. <laughs> I feel like you're working a little harder than the cigar guys, but yeah. I appreciate all our listeners. This is evident by I share first-time cigars with them. Um, I, so, sorry. I, if you keep riding me, I'm going to get saddle sores. <laughs> one more jab. Just one. Okay, <laughs> just one right to the ribs. But um, there's the fly zone. Lighters, cutters, hard to go wrong. Yes. It's hard to get a cigar guy a lighter or a cutter that they're not going to love for Christmas. And all. It's just, it's, it's really hard to do that. And you can buy all of those at Crown Cigars and Ales in Brentwood, Tennessee. I am very excited a- right Austin now. Austin just happened to walk up here at the show with Trey's Lincoln Logs for the night. So, a, a little shut. Oh, there are so many of them. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You told me you wanted me to I did. I appreciate that. So... I am um, going to pull the show over for a moment. Every once in a while, uh, a box of cigars will come with a blank, uh, just a, a half inch by half inch by six inch piece of, of cedar block. And uh, I recently got a new knife and uh, I've been really wanting to play around with some woodworking and, and do some projects and stuff like this. And these are the perfect things to just to play around with and I've asked Austin to set some aside for me and he just dropped off about 20 of them on the table. I am I am very happy right now. As a as a um, wood guy, as a guy that knows something about wood, cedar is a great medium. Cedar takes stain really well so you can make it almost any color you want from natural to as dark or as light as you want to color it. It's a soft wood, so it's much easier to carve and work with. Cedar's, cedar's a pretty good wood, and it always has that smell to mm. it, that aroma to it. Now, if you want to impress me, pull those up and tell me what box they come out of. No, no, I couldn't <laughs> even begin to do that. Some of them are shorter than others. Some of them are, are fatter than others. You know, this is, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on these. But I will tell you one thing. If you take up one of these blocks and you smell the end of it, like you mentioned, cedar has a very specific smell, but there's something about one of these blocks that's been sitting in a box of cigars. Like, that is a distinct smell. I couldn't tell you what poplar smells like. I couldn't tell you what a specific type of pine smells like. I can tell you, if you hand me a block of wood, that it's a piece of cedar from a cigar box. Yeah, it's very... But back to our topic. Sorry. Um... The other thing is, let's go no-fly zone. Now, let's see if you argue with me on this. I very well may. Worst gift you can get for the cigar smoker in your life, an ashtray. I I do disagree. 
not everyone buys boxes. And, and therefore, and even people who buy boxes don't necessarily buy boxes at events. The reason you and I own so many ashtrays is because we buy boxes at events and that's where we get them. But I went for years as a cigar smoker. I went for 10 years as a cigar smoker without an ashtray. Never came across one. I never bought one, but I wasn't buying boxes at the time. And so I never had one. But does that not prove my point? If, if someone who's as devout a cigar guy as you are went 10 years without an ashtray... But it's still a good gift. I, 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 I would have used one if had I been given one as a gift. Because I also you're also talking to a guy that didn't have a lighter for that same period of time. You know, I used to always just use matches. But I would have used a lighter had I, had I been given one. And I've, I bought one and have been a, pretty much a lighter guy ever since, but... Well, the here's the thing. If you're going to get an ashtray for a cigar guy, I think you go stinky. I think you go the metal stinkies. They're very attractive. They're priced very well. You can get them in all shapes and sizes. And they function perfectly. Their beauty is their simplicity. You can drop them. You can wash them. You can do everything to them and never incur any damage. Where if you give somebody... A really nice Ashton or Oliva ceramic ashtray, especially somebody who's got kids running around, uh, the chances of that ashtray surviving go down drastically. And not only that, but the, especially since most people smoke outside at their homes, the finish is going to wear off. It's going to stay outside in the rain. Let's face it. It's going to get rained on. It's going to get sun bleached. It's going to, even if you leave it under cover, it's still, the, the finish is going to wear off. Whereas with the Stinky, there's really no finish to wear off. And you can get them in all kinds of finishes. You can get them straight black. You can get them bright red. You can get them in bronze. You can get them. So if you are going, I will add the exception. If you are going to get the cigar guy in your life an ashtray, make it a Stinky. Mm -hmm. Just get one. Get one of those. We should have a sponsorship from Stinky. We should. I mean, they they are, in my opinion, the the gold standard for an ashtray. I mean, like you said, the beauty is in their simplicity. And I have had a couple, um, I've actually got one of the little single stinkies on my porch at home. And I did have the little cigar rest piece of it break off a little bit of JB weld and it went right back and you never know it. Like even if, even if they do break and that's the only thing that'll happen, they go right back on because it's steel on, it's stainless steel on stainless steel. It, it, it adheres with just about any type of glue. Well, you know, I, I have two stinkies. I have the traditional black one, and then I actually have one that my trainer got me one year for my birthday that's a stand ashtray. Mm-hmm. And that's super handy because you can just set it anywhere. You don't have to have a table to set it on. It's right. just right there. It's very mobile, very versatile. And it even has a little shelf on it where yeah. you can set your lighter or extra cigars or whatever it is. As long as, as, long as you don't have a Labrador. Yeah. Well, back in... I'm, I'm thinking about because when we used to record on your porch, that's what I used to use all the time was that ashtray. It was really good for storing empty beer bottles at that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> you abso- didn't have a Labrador then. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the other, stay away from the exotic accessories. Um, you know, there's. The shuriken there- and the, the things that are kind of gimmicky. Well, there's. 30 cigar guys in here in this shop right now. 
and all talking and having conversations. I'm the only one that has a kit that he carries everywhere. Yeah. And all. So you can get me a poker, a draw poker or something like that. Hint, hint, Christmas is coming, perfectdraw.com. Um, the, you can get me a poker and I will utilize that because I will carry it with me. Whereas I'm not going to carry one. Right. It'd be, it's hard to get that. It's hard to get, um, you know, there's a world of the little punches that fit on your keychain, but who's going to carry a punch around on their keychain? I used to for a very long time, and I will tell you this. Uh, actually, as for, for a gift, I'm always a fan of gifts that people can kind of use without thinking about it or, or take with them. And something that goes on your keychain like the Zycar scissors I think is fantastic. I, I carry my keys on a carabiner on my like those don't ever go in my pocket. So I adding an extra piece to my keychain doesn't bother me. Some for some people it does. But I used to carry one of the Zycar eleven mil punches on my keychain all the time. The key to this though, the the little cheap plastic ones that are in two pieces, I don't get those. Because eventually it's gonna get unscrew itself just from bouncing on the keys and you're gonna lose it and then it's done. Get cool. something that is one piece, like the Zycar or the Calibri. The greatest gifts that I love to give people are always in the EDC line, everyday carry. And you can go on dozens of EDC websites and see these. You know, I carry a Gerber shard everywhere I go. It's a small crowbar. It's a bottle opener. It's got a flathead and a Phillips screwdriver on the back. And it's the profile of a key. If you're getting something to go on the keychain. Try to make it in the profile of a key. Mm-hmm. That'll really help a lot. But it's hard to go wrong getting anything EDC because that's the gift that keeps giving. If it's something right. they keep in their pocket and it stays with them all the time, that's a great gift. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a rock-solid cigar gift. So in the no-fly zone, stay away from breakable ashtrays and exotic accessories. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to say cigars. Unless, I mean, for the, uh, hmm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know that I'd put that in the no-fly zone, but that's going to be a danger area. That's going to be a, a gray zone. Well, the thing about a, a box of cigars is a gift. If you know the cigar your person likes the best, you know, you're never going to go wrong getting me a box of Undercrown Shake. Or me a box of Tennessee Waltz. Right. You're and. If you are going to get a box of cigars, kind of lean toward the one that only comes in one size because there's nothing worse than me getting a box of Undercrown Shade Robustos. Right. Because I either have to smoke them back to back or I have to, you know, the sizing can get wrong. But Tennessee Waltz only comes in one size. Right. You know, so look kind of into that realm. Think about that when you're thinking about getting that cigar guy a box of cigars. How do you feel about humidors as a gift? I'm a no-fly zone. A humidor is very personal. A humidor is kind of about how you smoke, the size of the humidor. There's nothing worse than having too small a humidor, or there's so many bad humidors out there. Which, which is kind of funny, and I thought that was going to be your take, because what's interesting is that the humidor I use was actually a gift from your wife. <laughs> but my wife knows you well. She does. She did. She did the. She did the legwork. And I'll, now my exception, of course, there's always an exception to the rule. You cannot go wrong with the Pelican style ceiling cigar humidor cases. That is such a good gift. 
because yeah. it doesn't matter if they're a, a, an occasional smoker or a full or a full time smoker like you and I are. I would kind of classify us in that because you're always going to be traveling with them. Maybe that five count Pelican humidor is your only humidor because that's how much you smoke, or maybe you smoke so much that that's how many you need to carry with you at a time. There's always comes in a bunch of different sizes, shapes, colors, and uh, it's a great gift. Yeah, price ranges, sizes, shapes, the number of cigars it'll hold. You know, I have of those type cases, those Pelican type cases, I have two of the 15 count, one of the 20 count, one of the 40 count, and one of the 5 count. Yeah, I've got one of the 20 counts, and I, I use it all the time. Yeah, and I can't say that there's any of those I don't use. There's a situation for all those. You know, the five count fits in a golf bag and will protect your cigars. Yeah, and it's great for the canoe as well. You can also get the single cigar tubes, the stainless steel tubes, but they're kind of fraught with disaster because most of the cigars I smoke don't fit in those tubes. Right. That, that's another one of those know, know your audience kind of scenarios. Yeah, you have to really know your audience to make, to make that gift. So... As we're coming toward the end of the show, we got to hit etiquette. Okay, let's do it. So, Zeno Davidoff wrote the book on etiquette. His essay was was published in 1967. It was under the title, Zeno Davidoff's Guide to Cigar Etiquette. Mm -hmm. Now, the article I have in front of me just basically has a summary, because if we sit here and read the whole article, we'd never get done. Right. And also, this well, it was later expanded into a full book. Yeah. Now, this has some do's and don'ts, and I'm interested to see how many of these do's and don'ts still apply to today's cigar smoker. Can I jump ahead and tell you one that I know is on the list because I want to hear your take on this? Was don't smoke more than half the cigar. Yeah, that's... I've always been really curious, and I've, I've heard some theories on this, that it was because of the way cigars were made back in the 60s was that they didn't lay the tobacco in different directions like they do now, and so the flavor changed so much once you got about halfway through. I don't know if that's the true reason or not, or if it's that gentlemanly kind of, you know, leave them wanting more, like kind of step away before you over and I, I don't understand the logic behind it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think that the fact that this guide was written by a man that sells cigars for a living may have impacted that particular rule a little more than is necessary in the modern There's cigar always world. that too. And also the do's. I'm going hit, to hit a couple of them at a time. Warm the foot of the cigar slightly before puffing on it. Um, I rarely do that. Take it or leave it. Hold the cig- I find that to be more of a, of a show-off move than a practical move. Hold the cigar in your hand however it feels natural. See, I didn't realize that that was his take on that. I, I used to know someone who swore that the only appropriate way to hold a cigar was between uh, your thumb and forefinger and middle finger on the other side like this. Right, I, thought I that, never hold one like that. I, I, I rarely do. Um, but I thought that came from Zeno. So I completely agree with that one. I almost think that that one is more about don't criticize. I think that one's better phrased. Don't criticize the way a man holds his cigar. If he wants to hold it with two fingers, if he wants to hold it with his whole hand, 
However he wants to hold it, let the man enjoy his cigar. I also think it comes down to if a cigar doesn't feel natural in your hand, maybe find a way where it does. You know, some people are right down here by the palm, like where the fingers actually meet. Other people are up here near the tip. I'm kind of on that middle knuckle is where I tend to, to live. You know, but that's where it feels natural for me. But for some people, it's going to be different. I, I completely agree with that one. So keep your ashes in the bowl and off the furniture and the floor. Absolutely. As we could do a whole show on he that. It. Yes. That, to me, nothing lowers my opinion of a cigar smoker as to see his ash, just fu- him not in control of his ash, his yeah. ash all over the place. Mm-hmm. Don't show your ash. Which is also, I like that, which is also a, a good indication if you are the kind of person that, that and, and I'm guilty of this, you're the kind of person that finds that every once in a while your ash will just fall off on you while you're smoking it, it's usually a pretty good sign that you're talking too much. Because what I can guarantee you from, a, from an ash standpoint the hotter you keep it and the more consistently you smoke it, the more it's going to hold together. When a cigar starts to go out and then you puff on it again, that's when you're going to create those weak points in the ash that cause it to fall off. Now, do you subscribe to the theory that how long the ash will hold on the cigar reflects on the quality of the cigar? Not at all. See, I don't either. I've had too many really good cigars that I like. You know, a Padron does not hold a long ash. Mm Mm-mm. They're not designed to. They're designed to draw perfectly. They're not designed to do that. So I think that's a cigar myth. I think so, too. Remove the band carefully as far as after lighting the cigar. Wait for it to warm up till the band. You know, I just took the band off of this blockhead, and I took it off because it had warmed the the Mm. pectin, the whatever was holding the band on, and it just released very gently. And another thing that we've touched on before that I'm just going to highlight again is take the band off whenever you please. You know, some people swear by the, you always take the band off before you ever start smoking it. And, you know, that's another one of those things of like, so that you don't end up with people comparing. You don't want to get into a uh, pissing contest over what you're smoking versus what they're smoking, that sort of thing. I think there's a lot to be said for that, but leave it on, take it off, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into the don'ts tonight. I want to get into the etiquette don'ts when we really have time to delve into them because I know we'll have some pretty strong opinions on cigar don'ts. Give me one just to go out. One, probably my favorite one is please do not dip your cigar in liquor. (laughs) Don't, you know, don't dip the end in cognac. Don't dip the end in... uh, If the cigar... The cigar should stand on its own. So you you agree with this one? uh, 100%. So do I. 100%. I would never dip my cigar in brandy or cognac or anything like that because, one, you're just making the end wet. Which is going to make it harder to draw, first of all. Right. You can contribute to the structural failure of a cigar very easily. You know, what trivia question, what famous cigar smoker was famous for dipping his cigars in liquor. Is it Churchill? It was Churchill. You know, the thing, smoke your cigar and drink your drink. You know, they should pair well enough together that you don't need to physically bring them together to enjoy the pairing. You know, I I wouldn't dip the end of my cigar in a cup of coffee. Right. You know, I... I wouldn't dip it in my root beer. Right, but they still pair well together. And, um, you know, and I I also... I will say... 
if you really do want to get the two flavors melding perfectly, the way that to do that, if you're drinking something like brandy, which is in a snifter, which has a smaller opening than the belly of the glass, breathe your smoke into slowly into the space between the rim of the glass and the top of the beverage and just let it sit there for a while. Then as you bring the drink up, you're going to smell the smoke. It won't alter the flavor, but you will be getting the, the smell of the cigar, um, get, get, getting your taste buds through the nasal pathway, and you'll also be tasting the right. That, if you really want to taste the two together, that's the only way at which I would say it's okay. You know, and I even, we were at an event one time and they were mixing cocktails. And one of the guys actually blew his smoke into the cocktail, the mixer, and mixed the cocktail, then poured it. And that was a surprisingly effective. Interesting. I've never seen that before. Uh, he, he actually won the competition that night. But I will say, in wrapping up about Zeno, because we'll talk about don'ts next week, his best quote, a cigar ought not be smoked solely with the mouth, but with the hand, the eye, and the spirit. I do like that a lot. That really means a lot, and that's kind of a great place to kind of wrap this up. Um, we're recording a little early this week, so I got a poker game to get off the ground. Yep. Mm. And also, I think we're going to wrap it up. How's the best way for them to get a hold of us? Uh, info at thecigarcast.com is our email address. We check it daily. Uh, Facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We check it hourly. <laughs> <laughs> or at least whenever any one of us gets a break. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. So until next week, everyone, please have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.